What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Neo Vintage Podcast. I am Jabrell, and I am with... Steve. Hope everyone's doing okay. And it has been quite a while, but we're finally back with episode 18, if I'm not mistaken, Steve. I believe so, yeah, because I was... Yeah, because I was re-familiarizing ourselves with the old podcast, so I think 17 was the last one we did a little bit ago. Yeah, and it was uh, towards the end of May, so we've been gone for a while. We've missed quite a bit of stories, but if we wanted to do a full recap episode, the episode would be about 16 hours long. <laughs> so I guess we kind of just have to go forward, and then if we breach something that happened during the gap, we can, you know, expand on it. So I guess we can just jump right into the show and go into what we've been playing. So, Steve, what have you been playing? So, you know, obviously in the span of the last couple of months, a lot of things. But the most recent things I've been playing, um, we just did the Ghost of Tsushima spoiler cast. So if you guys haven't checked that out, check that out. So I'm still playing that, cleaning up trophies. I'm going to probably try to get the Platinum because it's, like, doable. Time-consuming, but way, way doable. Still loving that game. All my feelings that we said in the spoiler cast, I still 100% stand by. So I've been doing that. That's been pretty much my bulk. I did take a small break, and I was playing the Destroy All Humans remake that came out. And it's surprisingly good. I don't remember loving the first one that much. So seeing it kind of, like, brought to next, you know, current gen. You know, the graphics look nice. The gameplay was a little wonky, but they fixed it with a few patches. I'm glad they, they reused a lot of the... They used the same audio. They didn't... I don't know if they couldn't get the guys to come in to re-record some aligns but i'm glad that the, the game's brought to current gen in its original state so a lot of like the jokes and stuff like that that could be time sensitive especially uh, nowadays things are a little bit different there's this big disclaimer at the beginning of the game that's like hey this game was brought over and remastered in its original format there may be some sensitive stuff um, yeah. which makes sense instead of like the way like netflix and other shows are doing where they're just removing complete episodes um i prefer that disclaimer but it's super fun. It's super fun just to just be an alien messing up, you know, the United States. And then I just recently restarted because I felt like I fell off or something wasn't calling to me in Paper Mario, the new Paper okay. Mario Origami King, because there's a good game in there. I, and I feel like I don't know if I was just wasn't in the mindset for it or just wasn't really feeling it. So I've restarted it and I'm kind of going in there clean and I'm enjoying a little bit more. That gameplay wheel thing still makes no sense to me i don't understand why it's there but i see the charm that this game has and i see why everyone's really been raving about it so those are the three main guys i've been kind of just trying to platinum the other two and then mario i'm just trying to enjoy just trying to enjoy i'm not trying to crank through it just want to enjoy the ride so what have you been playing yeah so i'm still pretty much chipping away at final fantasy i mentioned to you you know off podcast a little bit and i've mentioned it on the news episodes uh, that basically I've been running through the Final Fantasy games, mm -hmm. and for some reason, I don't know why, I just skipped 12. I was like, eh, I'll go back to it at some point. Um, and I was like, let me finally play 13. It's a game that I got when it came out years ago. I mean, I don't remember when that was, like, was it 2013, 2011, something like that. Um, and I got it, and keep in mind, I, I know my bias that it skews way towards 6, 7, and 9. Like, that's just what I like from Final Fantasies. So anything but that is very jarring and difficult for me to get into and get traction on. Uh, so I've really had to, like, rewire my brain to play these games, especially starting with 10. 10 was the, the switching point where it's like, okay, these are completely different things, so I need to kind of just take them as they are. And whatever I don't like from that point, it is what it is. But, uh... 
go in with an open mind. And so I I did that with 13. And 13, I pretty much had to go in with a more open mind than 10, pretty much. Because that battle system is so fundamentally different than anything I've ever experienced before. Especially with the paradigm roll thing. Mm -hmm. And it's finally, finally clicking where I understand the paradigms and stuff like that. And uh, it's a peculiar battle system. Again, it's very autoplay-ish, which is, is very interesting because, again, you're assigning roles to your character. So a, a lot of the times you're kind of auto-battling and you're just pointing them in the right direction generally what they should do. So if you, you put them in a synergist role, they're going to be buffing your team out. You don't necessarily choose. You can, but it's not in your best interest to choose what specific buffs they're putting on at any certain point. But rather, put them in a synergist role, have somebody else be commando, which is more physical attacks, ravager, more magic attacks, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of just playing around with the paradigms back and forth, whatever is best suited to the enemy at hand. So it, it, it's an interesting game. I, I wouldn't say that I, I love it quite yet. Um, I feel like, you know, Final Fantasy games, seven hours into a Final Fantasy game, you'll, you'll never know what's going on. Uh, so it's going to be quite a while until I feel like I understand what's going on. Not to mention, like, the story right now for me where I'm at, just under eight hours, is completely incomprehensible. Like, I have zero clue what's going on. And I don't know if that's a me thing, if that's the game thing. I don't know. Like, they threw a lot of terms at you. It's like, oh, cocoon, let's see, foul see. I'm like, I don't I don't know what any of that is, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'm going with it. Um, and the characters are, like, lightning is female cloud so far. Yep. Um, and snow is Titus with muscles. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, this is so far, I know there's three games, so who mm-hmm. knows where they land. Uh, but it, it's interesting to see some of the more established character arcs that they've done in previous games kind of fleshed out and expanded into new characters in a new setting, but at the same time have a weird kind of familiarity to them. Like, I swear the moment they, that snow started talking, I was like, I know this dude. I for sure have played with this dude before. <laughs> like, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so far, I think I, I like it. I wouldn't say I love it, but I'm going to keep banging through it probably until September because in September, that's when the wheel starts rolling and new games start coming out again. And, well, we'll be playing a whole bunch of new stuff. So I, I don't know if I'm going to be playing it well into that, but I'm trying to get it finished before that point. So, yeah, that's pretty much everything that's been absorbing my time. Mm-hmm. That's a time sink. Final Fantasy thirteen, especially that first one, it's tough to get through. And then I think the sweet spot would be thirteen two, and okay. then the last one because that one's it borrows a lot from like Chrono Trigger and stuff like that. <laughs> um, okay. So, but then the third one just goes wild. So it's Lightning so, Returns, right? Yeah, Lightning Returns. Goes, you were the only person I ever knew who got that game. I feel like I'm the only one who did buy that game, and I still like anytime I ever, everyone I talk to anyone, they're like, "Yeah, Final Fantasy thirteen one and 2 I'm like. Yo, how come no one played Lightning Returns? I got like the, it was you and a couple people in Japan. Yeah, the only people who ever played that game. And I still, I, I got the collector's edition with like a little uh, the statue pocket watch and stuff. You remember I got you the the figure too from Lightning Returns? I still have, I still have that boxed. Um, I actually don't have it out yet because my apartment's small, but love it, I love it. So if that's everything we plan. We can go right into the stories, which is you know some of the bigger news and stuff that we wanted to discuss for the yes, week. Sir. So the first one is a sort of update because you did mention this, I believe, on the Neo Vintage News, and this is something that's been in talks forever. So it's been officially confirmed that the Suicide Suicide Squad game, which is being developed by Rocksteady, the guys who did the Arkham trilogy, 
the whole panel and everything now is being referred to as Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which is the same title that leaked or was trademarked a while ago and stuff like that. So obviously we get more information at this at the DC Fandom August 22nd, which is replacing slash this is kind of their own Comic-Con because all the events and all that stuff was obviously canceled. So everyone's doing their own digital event. And this is, I guess, going hand-in-hand hand because with WB Montreal, because their Batman game that they've been teasing for what seems like forever has not been mentioned at all. So, yeah. really weird. I don't know if they're going to push like the full focus once again on the Rocksteady game, and they're going to give W Montreal like the hit because they, some reason, treat them that way. They do the same with Arkham Origins. But uh, I'm excited to see what this game finally is, exactly how it works. Because it's been, you know, besides Spider-Man, it's been a while since we really got any sort of comic book game that aren't like Legos or, you know, any of those more kid-based ones. So what do you, what are you thinking about this? Are you ex- are you excited? Because I know you really fall into the DC like oh, yeah. realm. So what 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 are, what are your thoughts on this so far? Yeah, so really really excited about this game. I'm curious to see how this fits into the general ecosystem as a whole with the James Gunn film coming mm-hmm. on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know what stage of development they are in this game. So as of right now, there is a possibility that this can launch within the window that James Gunn's 2021 film launches, theoretically. I don't know how long they're fa- far along they are, but mm-hmm. theoretically, they can come out kind of close. So that's going to be kind of an interesting thing. I wonder if they're going to play off each other in any capacity, if they're going to have, like, you know, selectable skins to make them look like uh, characters in there. Yeah. So that that kind of comes to my mind. Uh, the title, I'm not in love with. It seems, like, a little on the nose for me, like, kill the Justice League. But at the same time, <laughs> when you understand the Suicide Squad as a whole and how they are as operatives and Amanda Waller and they're very insane assignments. Like that's the classic thing of suicide squad, which is they're going to get missions that are almost damn near guaranteed to kill them. So them being like, yeah, kill the justice league is not outside the realm of possibility in terms of like the missions they get. So I, I think that's kind of funny understanding the tone of the game that kind of puts it into reference where it's like, Oh yeah. So they're setting them on something that I can't even believe how they're going to even pull this off. And, and they're very obviously probably not. I mean, if anyone who's familiar with the Suicide Squad knows that they're they're mostly looking for any opportunity to escape rather than actually finish the mission. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited about this game. I'm curious to see if this is the start of expanding the Arkham universe into more of a shared universe MCU type situation. Mm-hmm. Or is this a more distinct, distinct thing that maybe has some overlap with Arkham, but is looked at as its own lane with its own sequels and not something that has to necessarily tie in to one shared universe. So there's a lot of unanswered questions at this point. I'm imagining we're going to get a lot more clarification on the 22nd when the panel actually happens. Uh, as of right now, it's all entirely speculative, but I'm glad that in 2020 this is happening because DC is in a really peculiar place right now. And I know there's not a comic book podcast or anything like that. But uh, obviously the movies have not been critically well received. And there's high highs sometimes when you have like the Wonder Woman's. But then the the lows are pretty bad as well with the Justice League. But then we're in a weird resurgence period where Zack Snyder's version is coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, 1984 is slated to be pretty good. Birds of Prey was middling. Um and the the company as a whole, DC, is really on shaky ground because there's like a lot of layoffs happening right now. Correct. So it's in a bit of flux right now where it feels like there's like different paths forward where DC can be immensely successful and DC can fall on their face. And I don't know ultimately where they're going to land, but I'm hoping for the best. 
Yeah, same. Again, it's just there's so much, you know, confusion and because of the silence, because of, there is quiet. Because if you remember, if I re- recall correctly, there was a WB branch, I don't remember if it was Montreal, that was doing a Suicide Squad game before. And it was supposed to launch alongside the Suicide, Suicide Squad movie. Don't yeah, know if it was canceled, this, right? It got canceled. So I'm, I don't yeah. necessarily know. I don't think any information came out if it was specifically a tie in. You know, how much of it was canceled and folded into this project, um, you know, which is weird to do, especially if it was Montreal doing it and Rocksteady once again just came, bullied them and took their stuff. I don't know if it wasn't coming together. So it's just such a weird space with with just like this game, because since Batman, you know, the Batman trilogy and I like to include Origin. I don't know why they treat it that way. Yeah. Everyone's been waiting for you. Like, so what's the next one in this universe you know in this world you have this base you know everyone assumed the superman game and that was shot down year after year no we're not doing superman all right there's other dc heroes we got all these other dc movies and there's no timing or coinciding so it's like what what are they doing with this because then we got the slow teasers and you know it's been a while since we've heard from rocks i don't think we heard anything since they launched arkham knight and they did the ridiculous the vr version i know that that they that was probably the last thing i think they they released true so so and that was i want to say 2016 so the game's got to be far in unless something happened and they had a restart or they were working on something else that got completely canceled they've got to be pretty far in both teams i i know this is suicide squad but you know wme montreal on whatever that arkham game is that they've been teasing which is assuming the court of owls yeah, we yeah. Got, we gotta get some information out, and I think finally we're gonna get some this year. I'm sure they were a little upset that it's not, you know, the Comic Con and stuff that they were hoping for. But these online events have been pretty successful. We've gotten way too many in that random times, but this is a pretty big one because it's not just like DC game fan. You know, it's like the culture itself. So it's everything DC comics, movies, animated movies. So we'll the shows, see. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what's going on on August twenty second. Yeah, and once once that drops, we'll be sure to cover that, you guys, so we can Absolutely. kind of fill in the picture that we have. So I guess we can jump into the first of two Microsoft stories, mm-hmm. which is apparently an Xbox Next Gen controller package leaked in a picture that mentions not only the Xbox Series X, but also the Xbox Series S. Now, for a while, there's been rumors that a cheaper SKU of the Next Gen Xbox is launching, and this pretty much confirms it. Uh, this probably is the rumored project Lockhart, which was going to be the cheaper alternative to the full next-gen suite that is coming out. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, is this first off something that you believe and second off something that interests you? So I have to believe it in the same aspect that many people believe it is that the leaked photos were way too intricate. And I understand that nowadays it's easy to fake things, but like this guy opens the box and has like a receipt or like a like a warranty paper he's got the box and that box looks very familiar where it's not like the xbox one control which you know i know the series x control is very similar but like the way the labeling is on the side is like identical to the way it is when you bought a new xbox one control where it's like xbox x slash s like well series x slash x and all that kind of stuff so it it's very familiar and it looks real like this looks like something in my old GameStop days when i worked there this looked like the way things would have been shipped to me and stuff like that so i do think it's real um to an extent i think for a while we've known there's at least a second version of the series x um especially with even that you know when they explain what the name really was 
So I'd be super shocked if they didn't release a second SKU. I mean, even if Sony was able to come up with like, yeah, let's do a second SKU, even though it's a digital only. I'm pretty sure Xbox, who's released what four different Xbox ones. Uh, yeah, I believe so. The original, the Slim, then yeah. So anyway. It's also probably the only way I would get the new Xbox, and I, as much as I love new hardware and stuff like that, the Xbox Series, their marketing's been very, very weird, where it's like, well, upgrade if you want, like, the super best graphical, most powerful box, but if you don't, don't worry, you're going to get the exact same experience on your current console or on your PC, so... It's like, I gotta see, you gotta convince me a little bit on why I should buy your system. And if you give me a cheaper option, even if it's maybe a digital only option, uh, like we were discussing before off the podcast, you know, what if this, you know, the Series S, which is a slightly weaker console, but is only digital as well, that maybe speaks a little bit more to me because that way it's a little bit more convenient, it's a little bit easier to take care of. Who knows? But uh, what, what do you think? Because I know, I know this is what you've been really waiting for is a skewed downed version of the Xbox. Yeah, I mean, I basically wanted them to cut out the frills, make it as cheap as possible and have that cheaper option. Because again, somebody, mm-hmm. it, it's easy when you just, okay, I'm going to be buying the PS5 or I'm going to be buying the Series X next year. But if you're a multi-platform gamer, you want to buy all these machines, that, I mean, is going to mutilate your bank account. So if I can find a way, and generally speaking, in 2020, 2021, games are generally, with ex- exception for a couple exclusives a year for each company, available everywhere. So I don't need two consoles that play things at the highest fidelity. I can have my PS5 that does that because that's the only version that they're dropping. But I, if I just want stuff to play the Xbox exclusives, all I need is kind of that bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Make sure that it runs on my TV, it can run the games just fine, and then that's all I need. So... That, that The Series S is definitely exactly what I'm looking for. My only curiosity pretty much at this point is what the discrepancy is going to be between the X and the S. Is this a power difference or is this a storage capacity difference? Is this a feature difference? Is it li- just limited to the fact that there's not a disk drive? Where are those cost savings going to come? Exactly. Like, Is the S and the, the X going to run the games exactly the same? Whatever, if it's 4K native, 60 frames per second or 120 frames per second. But... The Xbox Series X can have this kind of crazy sound thing. It has the disk drive. It has bigger storage. It has all those stuff. So it makes it more in line of a phone. Or is it going to be like the eight ten the uh, the iPhone eight and iPhone ten situation that came out around the same time, but the power difference is fundamentally different, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which falls into the the pricing. So I'm curious. That's what I'm curious about. Is and judging by the naming convention, the fact that it's Series X, Series S, and that's pretty much fallen in line with the Xbox One X and the One Xbox One S. Uh, I, I'm imagining. Hopefully, this is just a naming convention thing, and the power doesn't take any kind of hit, and it's pretty much just a feature thing. Because if it's just a feature thing, then yeah, day one, I'm with the One S. This is my kind of machine, and uh, it'll make it a lot easier to be able to have both the next-gen Xbox machine and the PS5 day one. But uh, if this is, you know, a fundamentally weaker machine, I would like to personally be able to play Forza and Halo and Gears at the highest fidelity possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that that would make it a little bit more tricky where it's like, okay, maybe I then do need the Series X. But for right now, I'm all in about the Series S. I'm very optimistic about this, and I think it's a very smart decision. And 
I definitely think that this is a legit thing because the control is exactly what they showed off. The box, as you said, is 100% in line with Microsoft marketing. And on top of that, the Series S falls into the general direction that Microsoft is taking, which is catering the ecosystem around the player as opposed to adjust, making the player adjust to the ecosystem. So they're trying to make it as friendly as possible, as soft of a blow as possible. Like, hey, you upgrade when you want to. You play what you want, wherever you want, whenever you want for the cheapest price point possible. And hey, if you don't want to upgrade, that's fine. And if you don't want to upgrade for too much money, hey, we have an option for that too. So that that makes all the sense in the world that Microsoft would do this. And uh, I'm just hoping all these obtuse, non-conventional approaches that they're having to the next-gen, adopting that more phone-like model pays off well for them because I think it's generally a positive thing that they're doing. For the most part, yeah, I, I see that as well. I think they just, you know, they have to be careful um, yeah. because they seem to be stumbling in more of the messaging because say they do come out, you know, if it is power, what exactly does that mean? Because if the game's going to look just as good and run just as good, that's fine. But you have to also think, you know, what what is the series s you know tentatively compared to the xbox one x you know because you know this this holiday season you know these new consoles are going to be launching you know the previous consoles the ps4s and xbox ones and one x's and s's are going to be like black friday deals are going to be ridiculous because they know the new generation's there and there's people who don't, you know, buy the new systems. You know, obviously we're really into this. This is a hobby that and a lifestyle we, we have, you know, grown into. But yeah. there are families who buy, you know, buy and wait until the new systems are out to get the older systems. But when you're looking at power wise, like, is the S that much stronger than the One X? Uh, you know, what what do the gaps look like? And like you said, the iPhone comparison is perfect because it's like. You know, if I have an iPhone 11 and next year they show the 12, what's going to convince me to want to get that 12 if it's a minute thing when I'm like, well, I, perf- I have a perfectly good Xbox at home. And that's where they really got to clarify. And I, th- and I feel like they are going to. I know we have a couple more, you know, presentations and stuff like that that they got to come out swinging and just really hit us with, even if it's features, just like get it all out there. Be like, listen, this is what they are. This is the Lockhart or the Series S. And this is why, you know, here's an option if you can't get the highest, more powerful machine or you don't want to get the highest, strongest machine. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no doubt. And I guess the only thing that makes me apprehensive about Microsoft's general strategy is this. The only thing is this whole idea that, hey, there won't be any Series X exclusives for years. That's concerning to me because then that that communicates to me that in 2022, theoretically you're going to have games that are pushing the ps5 to its absolute limits you know technologically Mm -hmm. but meanwhile in the microsoft ecosystem in 2022 a first party game needs to still be able to run on the xbox one yeah that's an issue there's no way you can like i understand that certain games and engines are very malleable I mean, look at, for example, like a Skyrim. That can run on freaking everything. It's very malleable. Look at Fortnite. Very malleable. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, there are limitations. And there's no doubt that this kind of open ecosystem approach that Microsoft's going to have is going to ultimately hinder technological progress if they need to be able to develop for the lowest common denominator i mean look at what happens to devs that develop a lot for pc they need to be able to have a skew of their game that runs on consoles and people always crap on consoles basically being like hey you're holding back technological progress well imagine if you have a console 
that came out in 2013 that still needs to be supported into 2022. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think that is something that Microsoft's going to have to take a look at, which is like, I know you guys don't want to force anyone to upgrade, but if you want to run a successful business and you want to be able for your developers to really flex their muscles and show what they're capable of, you kind of need to force people to upgrade one way or another. And if you're afraid of leaving people behind, yeah, keep releasing Xbox One, keep supporting it. But at the same time, be like, hey, if you want these experiences, you have to come to our next-gen machine. And that's why I think PlayStation was very clear about that messaging. And I feel like I don't want Microsoft to be in the position where they're three years into a life cycle and realizing like, oh, crap, we should have had that same messaging because now people don't want to upgrade because they don't know that there's a difference here. Because exactly. we because we, we drilled into their head that, hey, there's no difference, there's no difference, don't worry, you're fine on your old console if you want it. Well, three years when you're getting crazy outsold by the PS5, I bet you're going to want people to you know upgrade then. And I just don't want to see Microsoft in that position again. Yeah, ne- neither do I, because you know I don't want them to fail. It's not a thing. I, I know I'm, I'm a little bit more biased to PlayStation, but I mean, I have an Xbox, I love a lot of their IPs. And I think some of this stuff is starting to surface because even in their last conference when they, you know, showed Halo Infinite and stuff like that, you know, a big thing going in for a while is that they were like, you know, it's going to be years before there's like super exclusives. You're not going to be left behind if you stay on the Xbox One S or X. And something a lot of people I think kind of missed is that for some of those trailers that they were shown on that Xbox event, a lot of them said Series X slash, you know, PC exclusive. And it's like, so you said we weren't going to be left behind, but now you're saying you're going to have... You're already saying your consoles don't even have a, a release date or pricing, and you're now you're saying there's already exclusives to PC and the new Xbox. So it's like you, you got to get on board and you got to watch what you're saying because I think they said that without thinking. I think they thought big-wise, like, obviously Halo Infinite will be on, the, you know, the old on Xbox One. But I feel like you're forgetting like some of these other people just won't do it. They don't have the time or capacity or just don't want to have to go rescale their game when they can work with the bigger machines. And I think that's all stuff that's going to get ironed out and hopefully out of the way soon so that they're not covered around bad press around your system because that's really what happened last generation. Everybody remembers you know the all-in-one machine, that whole debacle was that never left and that really took Yikes. a long took a lot took a lot for xbox to dig themselves out of that hole yeah and now that they're out we don't want them stumbling backwards because of their their messaging yeah well i have felt i have a lot of faith in phil spencer and mm-hmm. uh say what you want about the way he runs microsoft that dude is a marketing king he knows how to phrase some stuff man i mean it, it is kind of funny that they have the issues with the exclusives and then now the whole Microsoft strategy is like, listen, we're not trying to outsell PlayStation and we're not trying to have all these exclusives. We're just trying to have a fun, you know, player experience. And it's like, oh, they, you guys changed your tone a lot from when you guys were dominating back in the 360 era, haven't you? But, uh, but, uh, lay, that's yeah. the nature of the game sometimes. You got to just yeah. phrase things. You have to move the goalpost a little bit to, so you guys don't look crazy out there. So, hey, I don't hold it against them. I just think it's really funny to see kind of companies change. When, you know, like, for example, Sony was all open arms, wanted to reach out to everybody during the PS3 era, and Microsoft's like, ah, screw off, we're winning. And then, I mean, boy, how have things have changed. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's just, it's weird to see, and I'm hoping for the best, but, you know, things are stumbling, and we'll get to the next story so we can continue on with this, because this does play a part as well. 
So, Halo Infinite has been delayed. And I know this is something that people have run through already a long time, but we haven't really discussed it yet. So, it was originally slated to launch with the Series X that launches in November, but it'll be pushed to 2021. You know, 343, Phil Spencer, and a lot of these upper management guys have tweeted about this, mainly saying that the delay was due to the COVID-19 affecting development and wanting to hit people's expectations. So... One thing I really noticed with specifically Halo Infinite is that they were really trying to create nostalgia with the way the original Xbox launched with the Halo. You can see the mirroring effects of like the Series X, you know, being resold with Halo, like remembering the good old days and really recreating that experience. And I think this really shows some issues. And I know they did blame this on COVID-19. I, I do believe, obviously, COVID-19, this came and wrecked so many things, so many industries, so many things. This game has also been in development for, like, five, six years now, so I don't want them, and I'm not saying they're using it as a cop-out or anything like that, but, you know, uh, how much of a delay is this really going to be? What are you have to, what, what is it that you have to fix? And don't get me wrong, I know there was issues with the presentation, and their newest gameplay reveal, and they're probably going to take a lot of that feedback. But it's been a long time. You guys, you know, and I'm not, I don't want anyone to rush. I want them to have all the time delayed again. I mean, look, The Last of Us got delayed. Ghost of Tsushima got delayed. Cyberpunk's been delayed every other month for, oh, yeah. for, for what seems like forever. So, one, yes, take your guys' time. I want you guys to make a great game. I want Halo Infinite to be fantastic. But this just how do you really market your system now this continues from what we were just talking about with the double system you know the how do you launch these two new consoles different SKUs, different powers and not have anything to show for it because now halo infinite was really their ex exclusive and you know i know that word's tentative with them yeah. but that was your exclusive for the year i mean for the launch was it was halo and now it's not here so now you're gonna be buying a box to play games that you can already play on your xbox one your ps4 or your now your ps5 and it's like oof and then in addition with the ps5 you have a few of the smaller exclusives coming at launch so what do you think what do you think of the delay in general but what do you think it means for this holiday competition pretty much yeah, I mean, well, obviously, taking more time to improve a game is never something that I'm going to be mad at. Uh, games can be delayed temporarily, but once they're out, they're out. And you want to make sure that you get that right. Uh, obviously, that leaves a massive hole for this next launch. And I know Microsoft is very aware of how problematic that is. Uh, but I think they weigh the option. It's like, listen, not having a first-party exclusive uh there for our new console launch is an issue mm -hmm. however having a first party game and you don't get more microsoft first party than halo uh a new first party game at launch that's not up to snuff when you're microsoft is even worse i think in their view that it's like we rather push it and have that void than have something there that doesn't hit right because again, five was a full featured game, and some people had what they had to say about it. So imagine if they drop another game that's touted to be this very ambitious big thing with a brand new console attached to it, and that doesn't hit right. That's not gonna bode well for them. And the the 
selling the Xbox Series X is already kind of an uphill battle for them. Mm-hmm. So if on top of that, it's like, okay, well, at least it has Halo. And people are like, well, the Halo is not that great. I mean, that that is putting them in a bad situation. And mm-hmm. you're instantly back to 2013 where it's like, man, you guys messed this up. And Microsoft, I know on the back end, are like, we can't afford another console launch screw up like we did last time. We lost this last generation because we spent so much of the generation trying to make up lost ground. We need to get ahead this time. So if that means pushing it off and making sure when that comes out, it comes out right, I think they're in the mind of, so be it. And I hear them. They're they're kind of in a lose-lose situation in many ways where it's like, yeah, you're, that void is going to hurt them, but also having a messed up game is going to hurt them. So it's a matter of kind of weighing which one would you rather have, and they obviously weighed having that delay hopefully they didn't push it too far into 2021 because again 2020 in general has been incredibly light for first party releases from microsoft Mm -hmm. uh and 2021 i mean they need to rectify that and they need a lot of these teams to start hitting we need i mean forza motorsport is coming obviously so that's going to be something uh gears tactics perhaps i would would get a console launch in some capacity so that maybe is something they have to look forward to Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have obviously have to you know change fundamentally how some of the game operates, but uh, yeah, I mean they're in a weird position. I'm still wondering where some of their new acquisitions, where Hellblade falls and stuff like that. So they need to make up uh, a lot of lost ground now that they're launching a game without a major th- first party release, uh, and hopefully it doesn't hurt them too bad. They know how problematic this is, um, but uh, I think. It's a decent decision that they made considering the alternative. Because again, Halo is not something they can afford to get wrong. They can have a middling Gears game. It's not great for them, but okay. But I mean, that's their mascot. That's like Nintendo putting out a brand new 3D Mario game and that not hitting right. That's an issue. If you can't get this right, that spells not great things for your first party development ecosystem. So, uh... Though I think it's an issue, I think it's the best course of action they can take at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's almost a a consensus among fans that this is Halo's last chance. And not that Halo's ever going to go away specifically, but, you know, and I'm not a, you know, you know, Bungie fanboy and and against 343. Because some of the stuff that 343 did incorporate into Halo 4 and a little bit into Halo 5, I did enjoy you know to to an extent so they they have they're on the right path but overall halo you know halo 4 and halo 5 have been very lackluster compared to the yeah. fan base that you know it used to like you're like you're saying when people thought of console gaming in general they thought of the call of duty the call of duty players and the halo players yep like those were the shooters people were playing there was no you know i understand the industry industry has changed there was no fortnite there was no apex and all this other stuff like if you had an Xbox, you were playing Halo. Like, I remember Halo 3 came out. There's so many people that didn't go to school that day and everything. I remember that stuff. So, this is kind of Halo's last chance. And I think they know that themselves by not calling this Halo 6 and all this stuff. And the way they've talked about it and the way they're almost talking about it, it's going to be like, almost like a platform to expand, you know, the Halo universe and this story. This is their last chance, I think. And if, because if, like you're saying, if they were to screw up Halo now, why would anyone ever want to play Halo again, you know? Yeah. Especially when, now that the Master Chief Collection is on PC, everyone's just playing Halo 2, two and 3 online. And, it, and it's wild to think that they're going to choose, you know, those games compared to, you know, 343s. 
and that's just gonna spell bad trouble because 343 specifically put together i mean it's named 343 which is a big halo reference like this yeah. is this is what they're supposed to do is make halo games and you know four was a little bit more welcomed than five was and five has a lot of issues but like a lot of that stuff looked like they were trying to really fix it and they're really trying to recreate halo into their own and i just feel like you gotta get it right so i'd hate i'd hate to be like oh my god this that's it that's it's over for halo so i'm hoping the best for them i i completely agree that hopefully it's not too too long because who knows what 2021 looks like you know nintendo's been very quiet yeah like suspiciously quiet (laughs) quiet you know sony's shown a lot of stuff that it's not going to be you know they're not going to be launched sony has a lot of things slated for 2021 now we don't have specific you know quarters or seasons yet but you don't want to be going up against some of this stuff yeah horizons out there somewhere and you got <laughs> do you imagine them trying to launch you know in a world they try to launch halo at the same time as horizon and not even that now you got third parties far cry 6 is going to be huge in february i think yes i believe so yep quarter one that's a huge game people love far cry and, it, and this one looks even like fantastic looks like a lot of harboring to like the good stuff from the older far cries so yeah. it's like you gotta you gotta be you know where you're where you're gonna drop this where do you drop halo and, and it's just it's tough they're in a no win situation really with that but i think their first thing is get the game where it needs to be yeah and uh yeah we're, we're i think ultimately when all said and done i'm gonna bet that this is this is gonna hit right when it comes out i think they understand all the critiques i think people's reception to that trailer I feel like did play a role whether they admit it or not. Absolutely. Um, I I think yeah, the COVID did slow things down a lot, but I think they were probably semi ready to go and it's like, well, let's see what people think. And when people are like, no, 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 no. They're like, all right, let's retool this and get this right. Uh because from what they've explained, this is a very ambitious title. It's bigger uh than the previous games. So I think they're going to try to make sure that this hits correctly when it comes out. Not to mention, uh it's going to be a Game Pass game day 1. So Absolutely. People playing and enjoying it and getting time out of it is integral to the success. It's not like other games that it counts on that first week sales type situation. It's an entirely different pricing model. So player retention matters a lot when you're talking uh, Game Pass games because it's all subscription based. So they got to make sure that people jump into this game, play this game and stay with this game. And so that's why I feel like there's so much weight on them to get it right at launch. And it's not one of those things that you're just going to patch out. So, uh, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. We're going to keep our eyes on it. Uh, but I, I think we can you know, both comfortably say that we're both really excited to play this next Halo game and uh, want to see the best from them. Obviously, yeah. We, we've got to see what they, you know, what they have in there. Because, again, we've only seen such a small slice of that game. We haven't seen multiplayer at all, which I just remembered is free to play it's, yes so yeah you, it's separate yeah do they have the guts to release that early do they that would be interesting you know even if they just release a, a let's say a beta maybe they do the beta at launch for the series x that would be more like hey you want to be in on the the beta before the game you know the multiplayer part goes free to play i just don't know what that looks like because you don't want to release it too separate you don't want to release like full multiplayer and then like months later try to release a single player campaign like that's like a Fortnite try to release a single player campaign right now like no one uh, no one would want that yeah it's it's the situation because again i feel like xbox is in a position where not only do they need to keep 
Xbox One players in the ecosystem and, you know, upgrading. But I feel like they also, in many ways, to really make up the lost ground that they did with the Xbox One generation, they need to get a lot of the lapsed gamers. And a lot of Xbox lapsed gamers or former PlayStation gamers or stuff like that have a lot of good, like, goodwill towards the Xbox Online and uh, Halo Online ecosystem. So if they, that is a big, you know, seller right there that like, mm-hmm. hey, the next Halo online system is on the Series X. So upgrade now. And that could, I'm sure, get some people back. But if you separate it from the Halo campaign, then in many ways, you're kind of leaving the campaign out to die in, you know, six months when that launches. Exactly. That puts that in a weird situation where it's, again, and I would never say that people do not care about the campaign. People do care about the campaign. But I would say lapsed gamers certainly do not, especially after five. Mm-hmm. That's a very mm-hmm. Microsoft ecosystem thing. The average outsider doesn't care about the Halo story. So you need to have that whole package together. But uh, I think Phil Sp- they're smart. They're smart over there. And they're willing to make decisions that are unconventional and quick on the thing and make it work. So uh, I have a lot of faith that they'll pull this off. But it's it's certainly uncharted waters. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll have to just wait and see. And hopefully we get some more information semi soon because again they were talking about if they would do some multi we haven't seen any multiplayer so at least maybe some footage some beta stuff would would help yeah so i guess we can move on to the next massive story to talk about which is something that's been really shaking up the industry yeah constantly Uh, changing too and this is something that i spoke about on last week's episode of uh, the news where i made a quick remark that i'm like hey pay attention to this because i don't think that this is going away because i feel like this was something that was building for quite a while and it's finally boiling to the head. I feel like it was a lot of passive-aggressive nonsense, and now they finally blew up because they didn't go to therapy, and now they're punching walls. <laughs> so basically the story is this. Apple versus Fortnite, all right? So Apple has removed Epic Games' massive Battle Royale game, Fortnite, from the App Store after the developer on t- uh, Thursday implemented its own in-app payment system that bypassed Apple's standard 30% charge when they review the game or the, the DLC or whatever. Uh, Epic introduced its own V-Buck payment system that's cheaper and it bypasses um, Apple's approval system. Then Epic announced that they'll be suing Apple, claiming that the App Store is a monopoly. Uh, They also released a video comparing Apple to the totalitarian regime in George Orwell's 1984. Uh, And Apple seems to be holding firm that it plans to work with Epic to resolve these violations, but has no intention to create a special arrangement for the company. Now, this has been something that has been building for quite a while. I've they're not the Epic is not the first to express their frustration with Apple in the App Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Microsoft did not too long ago with the whole X Cloud situation. I know Google is not too happy with the whole Stadia thing. The moment that Apple got into the Apple Arcade game situation, I knew these conflicts were going to start because there's no way that you control an ecosystem and don't prioritize your own game system. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. And there's no way when you're dealing with a massive media conglomerate like apple and you're trying to hit their pockets oh no they're not gonna let that happen not in these capitalistic world that we live in right now they're gonna get every penny out of there and if you're gonna find a way to bypass their little 30 percent charge then you're out of here and obviously they're they've been ready to do this apple because they kicked off i mean, epic you don't get bigger than fortnite yeah. so if they're willing to kick fortnite after all app store they're willing to make examples of people and uh but i get why epic and you know other companies like microsoft and stuff like that are frustrated with apple but it's one of those situations where 
as these companies get bigger and bigger and their demands get more bigger with the boldness of their projects, they want to make more and more money. Them sharing ecosystems is going to work less and less. So the fact that Epic Games is planning on suing Apple, them making their own ecosystem has been something that has been should have happened. Fortnite cannot exist as it gets larger on the Apple ecosystem as they start prioritizing their own stuff. So Epic Games, Microsoft, all these massive companies need to occupy their own ecosystems because they're just going to butt heads because they're just not everybody can make 100% of the money, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what capitalism strives to is as a company, we need to make as much money as possible, which means giving away as little money as possible. And that is going to naturally put you a head-to-head with whoever you're sharing an ecosystem with. So this is not something that I feel a need to be like, I take their side or I take their side. Uh, I'm not really an Apple fan, but I'm not a massive Epic Games fan as well. So ultimately, the courts are going to sort this out one way or another. I think it's ultimately going to result in some kind of App Store competitor, maybe Epic making its own thing, just like the Epic Game Store exists on the PC. I'm sure they'll find a way to get that on the phones and be able to offer Fortnite and maybe other apps as well through their own thing that maybe doesn't take the 30% charge and gets on Apple's throat. And maybe Apple finds a way to lower their charge to make it more friendly. And they're going to, it's going to be the streaming wars all over again. We see this over and over again no matter what whether it's dvd versus blu-ray versus spotify versus apple music it's we see these fights happen all the time and uh, it was a bound to happen in the game industry in terms of these uh online ecosystems so what do you think about it so yeah it's it's a lot and and it's almost like like you were saying one thing is both sides were prepared for this apple was ready to pull the plug on fortnite quickly and fortnite was they already had that little you know cg cutscene thing are ready yeah. to go and i was like so they knew for a while i thought there was publicity stuff and then i saw like the actual lawsuits and and paperwork and i'm like all right then i did the deep diving i'm like what is going on why is the hashtag free fortnite a thing and though this did start on apple you know devices first then i saw the whole 30 percent and the workaround so you know they were working i think it was going to be like three bucks cheaper if you did it through epic yeah. instead of whatever that whole their system was but i was like man that that doesn't work because my thing was like if apple were to let that slide for them everyone's gonna start doing it oh yeah they're and screwed the whole monetization strategy falls so apart. that's why when epic people are like, oh, why are they picking on fortnite they're not picking up fortnite if they let them slide and everyone's gonna start trying to do this inner thing and then you get you get into problems you don't even want to know fraud and you know and all these different kind of violations and and things like that and just looking at Fortnite, you know, Fortnite makes billions a year. And, you know, the mobile game in a, another world wouldn't matter. But for Fortnite, because so many people are playing on mobile, that's millions of dollars people are spending getting V-Bucks. And 30% of some millions is not something Apple's going to lose, uh, you know, not going to let slide. But it's also vice versa on why Epic wants it, because Epic's like... This is our stuff. All you're doing is hosting it for us. Why do you want 30%? And, and I get the whole war. I think it's... I, I'm i in the same situation where it's like, I can't vote for either side. Where it's like, I understand why Apple's is format is the way it is. I don't agree with it. Because uh, a lot of the xCloud stuff and Stadia, the fact that that stuff is just not available because Apple's weird and 
so protective because I think for like xCloud they're like no they gotta register every single game on I'm like whoa, whoa come on that's ridiculous but this comes to people's wallets now and it's like listen you knew the rules you purposely broke the rules so we're taking your app down we'll see you in court and Epic yeah. was ready with that and I still actually have Fortnite installed on my phone and it runs right now because um, um, I have an iPhone but when you launch it every time the first thing they show is that video with the the 1984 reference with the guy with the apple head and the, she throws the unicorn or whatever it is and then you, you get like three different like banners then it shows up hashtag free Fortnite and explains what happens in the app in the app I'm like this is so That's very bold weird I'm like this is so weird I was like this is ridiculous and but it's like I can't choose a side really where I understand that and this has bled over now to Android devices um, it's not being as talked as much because I don't know what's going on there but because um, it's off the Play Store as well you have to use the epic launcher on android devices to install fortnite if you don't already have it installed yeah so google is also going to court against epic games as well so i think the the winning solution is going to be either they fix the percentage or you're right is they're going to have to get the epic launcher working on iphones as well to install fortnite and that's just it's so much work so much work around it's like when you're trying to get something nonsensical app on the app you know on apple and you have to go through like website to website to website to website to profiles and then you start avoiding like warranties and privacies and i think this is going to cause a just chaotic event because epic games is not stubborn but they know they got like the bargaining chip like they're like listen you know let's say they work it out they're probably gonna work it out with google first and be like listen you can play fortnite not only on Android devices, and that may seem like a nobody cares, but that's a huge deal. If for some reason they update the iOS and just takes Fortnite off my phone, like I'm stuck, like it's ridiculous, and be like, yeah, you can't play Fortnite on your iPhone. I'm like, you're just giving me more and more reason to switch to to Android devices. Just the X Cloud itself is already. I'm I've been looking at Android devices because I was like, no, I want X Cloud this this fall. Imagine being the company be like, well, you can't do xCloud, Apple, and and you can't do Stadia, even though that's my new, and you can't do Fortnite. Like you're 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 gonna have to start giving in somewhere, you know. Yeah, it's starting to get a little tough for them, yeah. Because now iPhones and Apple will be like, listen, you're you're known for being super expensive. You're known for being super restrictive. Something's got to give now because now you're gonna lose a lot of people. You're going to lose a lot of people. People are going to start buying other tablets and all these other things because Apple's being just such... I don't even know what to... They are a monopoly in an extent the way they run their app store, but it's also their yeah. app store. So it's it's a... It's almost like a, a lose-lose situation for everyone, um, especially the consumer. Like Again, if for some reason you didn't have it installed on your iPhone already, you may still be able to go in to like purchased like previously purchased and downloaded there i don't know if apple's gone all the way and stro- you know stripped it from your your library but from it's... what i understand that if you download it already you're good to go uh-huh. um you can't do- obviously download it from here on until the situation's resolved the i guess the question in the air right now is what happens with updates 
uh, the moment that they launch a new version or a new update of Fortnite, mm-hmm. it won't be hosted natively on the App Store, which is where I believe the um, updates come from. Correct on the iPhone, and that's what I do. it's gonna that it will be the point I believe that will render your Fortnite uh, version unplayable because it won't be able to get online and bypass that. So I believe yeah. that is what happens. Uh, but again, time will tell with that. I'm, I'm not an app expert. I'm not in the Apple ecosystem, so I, I can't verify it on my own phone. So. so I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. It's just a weird situation. I don't. Again, I can't even guess on the way it's going to work out. It's just it's such a weird situation that like you're, it's comparative to like the streaming wars to to the, you know, where where shows leave things. You know, Office is leaving Netflix, going over here because. Yeah rights and this and it's just a mess it's an absolute mess yeah and i guess what i think is i will be swayed one direction or another in terms of thinking the success will come from depending on what the nature of the case remains as if the nature of the case expands and people join in like microsoft Mm -hmm. and start talking about their restrictive policies and the fact that they monopolize because there's no real competitor that if you have an apple device there is no other ecosystem then suddenly the case starts to change a little bit more to what we saw on google phones back in the day uh, with their kind of quote unquote monopoly over that, so if, if Microsoft joins in, I think that fundamentally changes the case, and they might be in a better position to win. But if it's just Epic and their main gripe is the monetization, I think they're going to have a tough time. And again, I'm not a law expert, but ultimately, I believe if Apple does the legwork and created this app store and did created this entire ecosystem, and they have a general charge that it takes to operate on that. And you would like to operate that by bypassing that charge. Ultimately, I don't think you'll be able to win that case. But time will tell. Uh, we'll see if anybody joins Epic. And if they join Epic, then yeah, uh, Apple's going to have a rough a rough winter on their hands. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we'll have to see where... I feel like we're probably get information pretty quickly on this. They're not going to let this go too long. No, they've been waiting for this, I, I think. Yeah, they were way too prepared. I think behind the scenes, this is something that's already been... Like, they were able to get all those court papers and those citations. Yeah, no doubt. Very quick. So this is something that's been going on. All right. So the last main story is Control Ultimate and its next-gen upgrade. So Remedy is releasing a new Ultimate version of Control with the game and all the DLC with a free next-gen upgrade. So people who have the original version of the game can't get that free update. So if you bought the original game and its season pass, you need to spend another $40 for the same game so you can po- so you can possibly bring it over to your new systems if you decide to get an Xbox One or a PS I mean uh, Xbox Series or a PlayStation 5. And this created quite the controversy because we we've seen a lot of this free, you know, oh, you know, if you buy the PS5 version of uh, the PS4 version of the game, you're going to be able to get the PS5 version as a free upgrade. La, 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 la. You know, we've seen that. Con- that's something normal now. We see if you buy this year's Madden, it's going to work. It's not going to work. So when we got Control, we're like, I initially didn't even really look at the story. I saw they were doing an Ultimate Edition, which usually happens with a game about yeah. a year after release. You get the Game of the Year Edition, Ultimate Edition, Special Edition that includes the DLC, usually for cheaper because, you know, because it's more on sale and you wait and stuff like that. I think this is a terrible marketing and it's terrible. It's a terrible way to treat your consumer. I so I have control. I bought it close to launch, not exactly launch, but I want to say maybe a month after launch. 
I was planning on getting the DLC. I was waiting for the Alan Wake DLC that just is about to release. And now I'm paused on the whole thing. Because now, if you if I wanted to keep playing this game, or even if I wanted to wait to play the DLC on my new consoles, I have to repurchase the game. And I just don't understand. I don't understand this. <laughs> How do you force the people who supported your game on day one and your DLC because they they were selling the season pass since day one. So yeah, you were you were you had people's trust and they bought the DLC on day one. And I think they even released. I think they even sold. I think you can get like a deluxe edition that brought the DLC or a season pass with you. The people who spent more money up front believing in you guys and now you're telling them if they want to keep playing your game they got to buy the game again i don't understand how this flew i don't understand how no one raised their hand in these meetings and was like hey this is kind of scummy why would we just i don't mind the ultimate edition being released i wouldn't even mind if they released an ultimate edition and put it exclusively on ps5 and series but the fact that people who supported you from the get-go from day one are now being forced to spend another $40 for half of the same product you already got, or even more if you already bought the season pass. It just makes no sense to me. What, what did you think about this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tricky thing. Um, the whole idea of a next-gen upgrade is definitely, obviously, to kind of assuage people who have these transition games and who mm-hmm. buy games close to the launch of the next console so you can quickly, you know, transition them over. Um but yeah, Control's a little bit older. So I guess their thinking was, okay, Control's been out for some time now. So when you're looking for a next-gen upgrade, we're not going to upgrade a game that's two years old. We're going to upgrade the new version of the game. But yeah, they weren't comp- they weren't putting into effect the idea of the people who bought Control at launch for 60 bought the season pass, and then you want them to spend an additional 40 on top of that to have the next-gen upgrade. Yeah. It's not fair to those people. So it's kind of like a tricky situation. Not to mention, I don't really understand the concept of next-gen upgrades when games are backwards compatible. That is what I'm also confused about. What is the difference going to be with you with your PS4 control disc? You don't have the ultimate version, right? You have the regular version. Mm -hmm. You already have... uh, Do you have the season pass? No, I didn't buy it because of uh, this. Okay, let's say you did. Let's say you have the original version, you bought it at launch for 60 and then you yourself bought the traditional season pass. Which was 25 I believe. Yeah, and supposedly, next-gen is backwards compatible. So you put that last-gen version into the next-gen console, whether it's Series X or PS5, and you play that. What is the difference between this control? Like, what are you making me spend this extra money for, is my mm-hmm. question. Uh, for these next... What is the difference between next-gen upgrades and... Uh, backwards compatible is I, I, I don't understand there's a lot of questions there I don't know what that looks like I don't understand what this ultimate version like I don't understand why the next gen upgrades lock to the ultimate version if there's no performance differences if it's the same game just bundled differently then I don't understand why the next gen upgrade is locked to this version I, I think they could very easily not to mention it's not like control sold astronomically so why you'd want to screw over to people who already kind of bought a niche game to begin with is strange to me. Uh, and Remedy is not EA. Are they? Are, is Remedy EA? No, right? No, Remedy is just their own... Yeah, Remedy is their own thing. Yeah, Remedy's not Activision. Remedy's not EA. So I don't know who's pushing them to maximize profits in that way. Uh, 
Yeah, because I just wanted to verify before I made a definitive statement. I don't know why a team as quote-unquote small as Remedy, and I, I say small in quotes, uh, I, and I'm talking about compared to the the behemoths like Epic, Epic uh, Remedy's not that big of a team. So why they're making this, this decision to pretty much just lock out a section of their player base that wasn't that big, big to begin with? Because mm-hmm. these are just facts. I'm not yep. crapping on Control. They, it didn't sell that well. So I, I'm not trying to crap on them, but I'm just saying like, You'd think they'd want to be as customer-friendly as possible to reward those who kind of bought into something that a lot of people didn't. A lot of people looked past this game. And a lot, and then you had a small subsection of people who were like, no, I want to support this game. It's really good. It's really uh, They're doing some cool stuff. Let me support it. And then on top of that, it's like, yeah, we knew you guys were early adopters, but screw you guys. Screw the... We're not going to do no ambassador-type program with you guys like, like Nintendo did. No, just spend another 40 and it's like that's bold that's a bold choice for a team like you guys to make uh and not to mention control again didn't sell too well the ultimate gives it a second lease on life and now the second lease on life has all this bad uh publicity behind it Mm -hmm. like i i just feel like this was an unforced error they nobody put them in this situation they kind of put themselves in this position and now suddenly a really awesome game like control that had a chance to blow up again they shot themselves in the foot again, and uh, I, I hope it does well for them, and I hope they reverse course on this. I hope they can find a way to be like, listen, you're not losing out any money by allowing the people who bought the game at launch to also upgrade. Hey, th- that just tells them, hey, they would like to still play your game going forward, and uh, who knows? That, o- that offers more people to be able to play it on next gen, and maybe if you want to drop more DLC, more people are available to play it. But now you're just locking out a, a mm-hmm. section of the player base needlessly. That's just uh, how I feel on it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So I, I looked it up very quickly because I thought maybe publisher was the issue, but the publisher is five hundred five. So five hundred five games publish everything. I don't. I've never heard an issue with them being like super greedy. Yeah, and uh, maybe this is a five hundred five issue, but it's not necessarily in character with what we've seen from them in the past. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Um, so looking at the market right now, so control obviously. You can get this game physical elsewhere, but so sixty bucks digital, obviously. The season pass is twenty four ninety nine, or if you want to get it bundled right now, if you wanted to get the, the digital deluxe edition, which brings the season pass, is eighty bucks. Okay. So you know, and those prices are what they—they're not on a sale or anything like that. So and that's not ultimate edition, right? That's this just is not ultimate. Right this now. is right now. Right now, you wanted to go buy Control. So eighty bucks minimum. To get a version that won't have the up next gen upgrade. Exactly, exactly. And so the game was released August twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. So we're almost at this game's a year old. A year, yeah. And so people who supported you out for a year are now getting the short end of the stick. And I understand, and I'm I'm, I'm assuming we're gonna get a statement from them at some point. I just don't see how unless they tell you, yeah, we've reversed our decision and you'll get the free patch i guess it'd be a patch because i i don't understand like the game's not gonna be reworked to that extent on ps5 and stuff like that so and i only re- reference the playstation version because that's what i got so obviously series x i don't know what it is but even if they came on like actually no you'll be able to play your ps4 version of control on ps5 now it's like what what's the difference now and like just like you said what's the difference now then if it's backwards with mine is it so because I didn't get the Ultimate Edition, it'll be backwards with for mine, but people who waited a year and got it for super cheap, which hurts their bottom line, 
they're gonna get a, a patch let's say a, a free update i just don't get it i don't get it it's super confusing i didn't even think of it that way with the backwards compatibility but that's just it just makes no sense now it's just needlessly complicated to and in my opinion i feel like they're just making this so convoluted and it really doesn't need to be like no, it should have been a trailer for the ultimate edition and that's it and then with the news also anyone anyone who bought control even if it's like plays control before a certain time will get a free you know i don't know if they ping it with a trophy or whatever a save file will get a free upgrade because that's what some of this that's that hasn't really happened but some of the there's been a lot of murmurs where it's like there's gonna be some time exclusive stuff i think one of the sports games did it where it's like well if you buy the sport game before this you'll get a free upgrade yeah. to the next gen yeah ea's um, games are doing that you yeah, know ea is saying that so even if they were to do something like that be like listen if you would if you bought control at launch don't worry about it because you're way before the deadline but anyone else yeah maybe before the end of september october whatever it is if you bought it then you also get that free upgrade and from then on you can't or whatever i don't know i just don't get it it just doesn't seem friendly and remedy's been such in a weird spot with control where you know it was coming to game pass and then they were like no 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 it's not coming to game pass and i was like that was weird, yeah. Because who was it that said it was coming to game? It wasn't Phil Spencer, I don't believe, but... Uh, it was someone high up. Someone who would know. Y- yeah. It was, the, I th- it was like teases coming from like Game Pass account and stuff like that. I don't remember yeah. 100%, there but it was some, something like that. Someone, yeah, an interview, and they said, oh, I misspoke. Actually, I just misspoke. And I'm like, no, you, you know what comes to Game Pass. Yeah. So it obviously was supposed to come to Game Pass, and that hasn't happened, and then... Remedy took a long time to release this DLC. Like the game's almost a year old now. You're just releasing your the more anticipated DLC because Alan Wake has also been a property that's been quiet for so long. There's just so much weird stuff going on with them, and I just don't know if they're lost in translation or if they're getting pressure from their publishers. Uh, I don't really again. I don't know. I don't know anyone at Five Hundred Five Games. I just haven't heard them. Besides them publishing things, I don't. I mean. I think they had no problem publishing Death Stranding, I think they published on PC. Um, so it's just such a weird spot for them, and I just don't understand where this comes from. Yeah, and the weird thing is, I feel like we've seen an example of how to handle these type of upgrades mm-hmm. very subtly. Uh, of just it, it, it can be a simple thing. It's not a chance to extract as much money as possible. Just make this a simple thing. And the prime example I thought of was the original Red Dead on Xbox. Um it's backwards compatible, yep. and they released a 4K patch of it. Essentially, a next-gen upgrade. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Did you hear this crazy fanfare? No. Did they charge you a million dollars? No. It's it's a simple thing. It works better on the next console. If you have the disc, what do you do? You pop it in there, you download the patch, it runs better now. Look at that, next-gen upgrade. You didn't have to do a whole thing. Not some players are locked out of it, some people are not. If you bought the Ultimate Edition of the Red Dead original, you can do It's not all that. Yeah, exactly. Just let people pop the disc in, drop the patch, keep it pushing. And you could sell versions of Control, let's say, going forward, That uh, and people pay for that version that's where you get some money and then the next gen, i just the whole charging for next gen upgrades thing i'm not with it and uh i mean you could call me a little bit of jim sterling here where i'm i'm super going against the game industry but or the these publishers but I, I'm, I'm really not feeling this whole monetize at every juncture possible thing like and i understand these are businesses but like come on now not to mention i don't think these games are going to be fundamentally different 
Like it's a fresh coat of paint, right? It maybe runs a little smoother. It jitters a little bit. Like, is that really something I need to spend $40, $25 extra for? Like, yeah, come on now. Exactly. Essentially, for giving me the version of the game that it probably should have been at launch, and I don't mean to crap on anybody, but come on now. Oh, you're going to pay extra to play the version of the game that doesn't screw up to no fault of your own? Like, I mean, come on now. And again, I'm not trying to be mean to these publishers, but I'm just trying to be real. And the r- real reality is, is I don't think we should reward publishers doing what they been should have done or developers doing what they been should have done and i understand game development is difficult but my issue is not with jittery games it's with charging for the fix is my issue yeah absolutely <clears throat> absolutely because like control still has on playstation 4 and i play on a pro remember that pause menu nonsense yeah, i showed you it's a nightmare it's still it's a year later and the game still does that now if they're like oh we fixed that in the ultimate edition I'd be like why is that my fault I supported your game close to launch. Why am I charged for that? And I'm being that's charged. not my responsibility. Yeah, I'm like, so you want me to pay $40 so I can not get motion sickness when I unpause the game? Like, what's like, what's the point? Like, other games don't make me do that. Like, fix the game. And it's a minute thing, really. It only really happens, you know, when you pause and unpause. But it's still, like, shit shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, no Well, sense. I mean, I, I anticipate a statement one way or another. Uh, they're either going to do- uh, double down or they're going to reverse course. But ultimately, uh, we're going to get a statement relatively soon. Remedy, for the most part, are a good company, communicate well. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see what they say. And uh, hopefully, maybe we're just being a little too hard for them. And they'll be like, all right, sorry, we screwed up. We didn't consider the fact that some people are going to get locked out of it. Our bad. We'll reverse course. And good. All, yeah. all is love. But uh for right now, I'm not rocking with what you guys are doing, and hopefully you guys can uh, reverse course a little bit. So I guess we can move into the loose topic now. Uh, and basically, this is a discussion that we would have normally had in June, but we were in hiatus at that point. Yep. And it's basically our game of the year conversation. And it's, it's kind of fun to do quarterly before we do the final one in December or January when we look at the entire year. Uh, but basically, we like to check in and see what our favorite games of the year are so far. And so uh, I wanted to do a top five. And basically, if you had any additional ones that didn't quite make the cut, you can you include those as uh, notable mentions if that works. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. So um, how about you go first? Let, let's hear your top five and then notable mentions. Okay. So you want me to do my top five first? Yeah. Do top five. Yeah. All right. So and is my top five and they're not like like one two three like my number one's my favorite okay yet, not so. in order yeah so uh doom okay. eternal i gotta i man i gotta talk about doom eternal and actually that probably would be my number one right now um i mean i know i gushed about this game and we talked about it um a while you know when the game came out at the height of a uh, quarantine but man doom eternal still i jumped in the other day to thinking maybe i was just too high on it the game's still so fantastic that game, that gunplay is so smooth. I mean, you know, that gameplay, that gunning and movement is so satisfying from the soundtrack to the different, like, level designs to the different creatures, the way you have to fight the different demons. That game is fantastic. I got to give it to them, and I think they're going to eventually start doing, I think there may be a date already, like, some single-player DLC, because I know I didn't really touch the multiplayer at all. Uh, it's not it's just not for me. I'm yeah. glad. It's got its little community, so good for them. You know, but... Uh, a little bit more single player stuff. I I'm completely on, on for it. I know every once in a while I jump in because they give, 
like some free costumes or Twitch Prime gives me a free costume. I don't know. Someone gives me a weird costume. I got like a unicorn Doom Slayer for some reason. But that game is just a game I keep going back to for a quick, satisfying like loop. And I'll do an early level if I'm just trying to get quick and just want to show off the game or whatever. Or show someone like on my PC what it really looks like. Because that game is just so fantastic in every single way. Now, yeah. you know, I wish the story was still a bit, the story was a little bit more amped up and a little bit more mainline instead of like, because it really relies on like Doom 2016's like, like collectible thing. Like, unless it's like really falling back into the, if you, if you don't really like dig into the collectibles, you'll really kind of miss the story. Um, a little bit less in this one, but I just wish a, little, a couple more like iconic characters, I guess, besides Doom Slayer would be really fantastic. So my other game but uh i something else we did our i think our first spoiler casts on is final fantasy 7 remake yep and i think that's probably on a lot of people's like top five games of the year so far because that's a game that i was super negative on i was like this is not gonna work how are you gonna take a three hour segment you know three to five hour segment of the original game flesh it out to you know 30 hours i think we i clocked in under 30 hours you know in in the remake and how's this gonna work and gameplay and stuff like that but i gotta give it to that game was super satisfying to play and it just really helped me recapture my love of final fantasy 7 because you know 7's i do i do think it's and i hate to say it slightly overhyped um mm-hmm. c- compared to the other ones and compared to you know four five six is really my four five six and nine is like my jam but I gotta give it that Final Fantasy just really came out, and I loved my whole time with it. The only reason I feel like this may end up off my list, depending on what comes out in the fall and stuff like that, is that under no circumstance do I want to play it again. And okay. when I compare that to like Doom, I'm like Doom. I jumping. I like. I still have Doom installed. I don't have Final Fantasy VII installed because it's like, oh man, it's even to get the platinums. Like, do I really want to play through that whole game again on super hard mode? with all these other extra caveats and like i just feel like i don't know what was there like why couldn't i just play it on hard mode from the get-go and just doesn't it was you know there are those two main chapters that really slog the game and uh, all that workout stuff with what was that guy uh jules or whatever all the pull-ups and stuff like that oh yeah the gym guy no way i just i'm just like i can't i can't but I did enjoy my one time with it, and I feel like it's just going to be like that. I don't know if I... At some point, I probably will replay it. Uh, and I guess it all really depends what goes on with backwards compatibility and stuff yeah. like that. But got to give it to them. Um, fantastic. I really was super surprised. So that always comes to mind for Game of the Year. So my third one on the list is a game I super enjoyed. I know we haven't gotten to a big discussion about it, but I got to mention it is The Last of Us Part Two. Okay. Now, I'm not going to get into any of the culture, any of the toxic, you know, the toxic sides, both sides, all that stuff. As a pure gameplay, I have issues with it, stuff like that. But, you know, we're reaching to the end of these consoles. And to see a game like The Last of Us, like, just aesthetically, and I know I think we talked about this on the Ghost of Tsushima spoiler cast, just a little bit, but that game looks fantastic. The Last of Us... I don't know how that even runs on a, on a PlayStation 4. I don't even understand it. I do, you know, 
I do understand that the PlayStation 4 is screaming the whole time I'm playing. Oh, yeah. That fan was just like humming. But it was well worth it when you see the, you know, and it, it gives a 10 to, to like what Naughty Dog and everyone can do over there. They're just experts at what they do. So, and the gameplay was super satisfying. The gameplay loop was super good. You know, the, sh- the shooting the mechanic, all the crafting, all that stuff was there. Story stuff I'm not going to get into right now, whether I agree or disagree with what that went into. Gameplay-wise, that game was just phenomenal, in my opinion. So, I don't know how that's not in anyone's game of the year discussion. I, I can see it, actually, um, especially when other things come out later and do things slightly better. But that's up there as well for me. And then, continue right on, Ghost of Tsushima. Man. Again, I know we just we did a, a, a what an hour and a half I want to say our spoiler cast was, yeah, it was pretty long. Practically gushing about the game because that game is just so good. I just everything I said again. If I could recap everything in the hour and a half we discussed and put it right here, that's pretty much like way up there. That may be my top top game of the year because it's just again I'm not gonna recap everything. You guys can check out our spoiler cast right now. You know, it's live everywhere. YouTube and podcast services if you want to hear my opinion. But that game, everything about it from the story to the gameplay loop to the mechanics, just satisfied and hit and just made me think of, like, this is a fantastic game. And number five, I, I got to give it to him, even though I didn't want to. I, not that I don't consider it, but I got to talk about Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. And though usually I def- would default and give it just a mention, I've put so many hours into Animal Crossing. And again, I don't know if it's just like where it landed, again, height of the quarantine, and I was home all the time. I think just, but this, that game is just, it's finally got the right amount of loop where, you know, those first weekends, again, we were all quarantined up, but we were, everyone, I, you were on there too. I, I, every time I go to my friend list, people were playing Animal Crossing for 10 hours at a time, man. Oh, no doubt. And loops at a time, and. I think they finally just really got it right, and since then they do these small updates that really bring you back. First, they did you know small crafting things, and then you can go swimming, and now you can go to different places and see some familiar faces, and they just keep adding on to the game. And all these small features, people are like, "Oh, it's missing at launch." Not only do they put it in as an update, but they usually go all out. Like they do yeah. this huge update, and it's like now you get the wetsuit, go swimming, you get different pearls and all this other stuff and it's like you keep adding and it's starting to slow down a little bit and i've noticed that where one of these days they're probably going to be like listen this is the final like major update and that's something we saw with like mario maker where they're like hey this is the last major update yeah splatoon 2 splatoon 2 was the same where like this is the last major update so it's probably going to happen probably around a little bit because i'm sure the holiday season they're going to do this big update obviously they do I forgot what they call Christmas in that, the gift-giving day or something like that. Yeah. But, like, the new year and all that stuff is going to be, you know... A year of super supporting your game is fantastic. And now they got that dream thing where you can visit other people's islands. Like, celebrities will put their code out and you can go to sleep. Yeah. And it's all this fantastic stuff. And it's such a fun, casual game where even now, like, yesterday I jumped in for just an hour while I was watching something on TV, just cleaning up weeds and checking the store and doing a lot of that stuff and you know you made the grindy stuff fun so those right now those are my five like game of the year um i don't think i'm missing anything if i don't but uh i really only have two honorable mentions for the year um and they're both 
well actually three so they're they're all kind of remakes slash re-releases so persona 5 uh royale which mm. that was this year right Unless I'm, yes yeah it yes, was it this was. year you made a 10 out of 10 game an 11 out of 10 game i don't know how you increase the game and god it's just like so good and so fantastic i absolutely love it all the little tweaks they did to just really make it like a little bit better they did it and you know they really incorporated the new character from the get-go it's not like an added just thrown chapter at the end she's incorporated throughout the whole thing even from like the beginning with kamoshito's castle like she's slightly you know she gets more and more relevant obviously as you get closer to her chapter but it's fantastic i don't know how you do it so naturally uh resident evil 3 i gotta give a a shout out i know it, it didn't hit the way resident evil 2 remake did um, I know for a lot of people it was you know way too short and different things like that and the online multiplayer resistance stuff wasn't really there but I enjoyed my weekend with it and I've been staring at it on my crossbar because I really want to get back into it clean up some trophies and per the Resident Evil like if you beat it another time you get different guns and unlimited ammo I think it's like a trophy to beat the game like under two hours or something ridiculous and it's just fun and it is basic you know I'm surprised it hasn't gone on like a sale sale because I think they released the numbers and they talked about how the numbers aren't really that good on the sale because Resistant really wasn't like pushing the sale and it got around pretty quickly that the game's like six hours long. Yeah, and Resistance is terrible. And Resistance is pretty, yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it's it. pretty trash. I played it like twice and I was like, it's yeah. a waste. So every time I see like, oh, Resident Evil 3 update and it's like Resistant. Um, luckily, you can install it separately and I uninstalled yes. Resistant. So yes, I, I, have our, I have RE3 installed and don't have that installed and um so my last honorable mention and i talked about it in games i'm playing destroy humans remake i don't know Mm. it just came out you know after playing the last of us and then back to back playing that with ghost of tsushima those are big meaty games destroy humans one week and i just got into it i started like a friday night that sunday i have i already had everything but two trophies so i'm almost at the plat and it was just such a just throwback and was able to just really just cleanse my palate almost just jump in i knew the story the story isn't like it's just aliens invading the 1950s and it was just so fun to just really relax in that game and just blow things up for blowing things up sake instead of like oh big revenge story or gotta save my uncle blow up this castle all this kind of stuff you're just playing as a jerk alien because your boss is a jerk alien yeah. And you hate humans. And I'm like, yeah, this is fantastic. So those those are my top five and my three honorable mentions. So what's your list look like now? Yeah, so mine, uh, my top five is very similar to yours. Mm-hmm. So I won't spend a ton of time, you know, rehashing what you've already spoke about. Uh, but the difference is mine is ranked. So I do okay. have everything in numerical order. And also I was... I had some criteria. So one thing is, yeah, I tried to be as objective as possible in what I think are some of the best games of the year. But I also wanted to factor in what I just had the most fun with this year. So there are some games that I think are better than others, but I had a lot more fun with others, so I ranked them higher. So that's kind of how I went. So it's a very personalized list. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my number one, obviously, spoke about this already, Ghost of Tsushima. We have the spoiler cast if you want my in-depth thoughts about it. But uh, in terms of personal enjoyment and just thinking... They knocked it out of the park. It doesn't get much better for Ghost of Tsushima, in my opinion. Uh, number two is going to be Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
I know some people had some critiques of this game, but for me, what I was looking for for a remake of a classic game that I love, they did everything exactly as I wanted it done. And I had to commend them for making a full game out of just the Midgar portion. That's mm-hmm. very impressive. Uh, for you guys who have played Final Fantasy VII, you know how small the Midgar portion is in the context of the wider game. So the fact that they made a 30-hour game, 25-30-hour game out of that, and it didn't feel too dragged along. I understand there are some side quests and stuff like that that people think uh, kind of you know drag it along and bait, uh, in their opinion, kind of fill up space. Uh, for me, it hit perfectly, but I like the Final Fantasy VII uh, cast so much that any side quests related to them, I'm, I'm cool with, personally. Uh, so yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake, absolutely fantastic. Number three, uh, Animal Crossing. Obviously, one of pretty no, I don't think it's one of I think it's the most played game I did this year. Well, hit well over a hundred hours into that game. Uh, do I think it's flawless? No, I think in many ways you can make an argument that it is not a full featured Animal Crossing game, considering the fact that the previous one, um, was it not New Horizons? Um, the New 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 Leaf technically has more content in it, but I think the polish of Animal Crossing. Uh, on Switch is really, you know, noticeable. And, uh, yeah, there's some problems with the online infrastructure, but I think they mastered the grind loot. I think they... It's beautiful. And I I think they just knocked it out of the park for what Animal Crossing on Switch could be. Uh, The fourth one is going to be a strange one of one that uh, a lot of people don't talk about, but is such a me game, which is Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2. Y'all know, massive Castlevania fan. And uh, Any Creates did it again, man. Uh, the first one was fantastic. I've said multiple times that I think the Curse of the Moon 8-bit series is better than the regular Bloodstained game, the full-featured one. Oh, for sure. And that's just... Uh, I understand that the, the full Bloodstained game, Ritual of the Night, is way more content-rich. I understand that. And I think it's a very good game in its own right. But I think there is something to simplicity. And having a clearly defined linear path of what you're trying to achieve and then just killing that on every front. There's nothing wrong with Curse of the Moon 2. Every enemy design, every boss battle, every character that they introduce and the different mechanics they have and the general story that they establish, it's phenomenal. And uh, it's just as good as the first one, if not better. And uh, yeah, they killed it. And not a lot of people talk about it because, again, it's a very old-school feeling game. But for people who actually play Castlevania, the classic Castlevanias, you can feel how different it is and how crisp the the platforming is and the the battle. So I love everything about that game, and uh, I had to include it as my number four. And then number five had to go there because in in an era of games relying a lot more on narrative and visuals, for a game to almost solely focus on gameplay and just kill it so much, I mean, Doom Eternal, come on now. Uh, I mean, just like there are few games I think do gameplay better than Doom, the modern Dooms. Uh, and again, that game is brutally difficult. It kicks my butt. Like I can't, I barely make it through that game. But I gotta say, like you sometimes almost like a uh, Bloodborne, you kind of put your own skills to the side sometimes and just recognize real. You know, like real recognize real. Mm-hmm. Y'all killed it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Doom Eternal is just damn near flawless. Uh, and then my notable mentions are 6 through 8, uh, ones that just slightly didn't make the cut for one reason or another. Uh, number 6 is Saints Row the Third Remastered. 
it mm. is a remastered game of an old game, but like Destroy All Humans, I think they did a phenomenal job with it. Um, they cleaned it up so well. It looks so beautiful. And, I mean, that, that game is just so fun. And so them putting the fresh coat of paint and making this next-gen version of it mm-hmm. and having that same story but including all the DLC, I mean, you can't get much better than that. Uh, so, yeah, Saints Row the Third Remastered, probably one of my the most fun I've had in a game this year, personally. Uh, number seven, Last of Us 2. Now, uh, there are significant issues I have with this game, but there's all, it's, it's like there are lows to this game, but the highs of this game are really high for me. I think uh, this is an amazing example of what Na- Naughty Dog is capable of. It's an amazing way to bookmark the end of Naughty Dog's journey on the PS4. Um, I think they did some amazing things in terms of risk-taking and breaking convention and having ideas of like, hey, I know you guys play games where you just slaughter people indiscriminately because the waypoint's over there and they're in your way. But hey, sometimes these decisions have ramifications. And just because somebody makes a choice that stands in the way of your own progress doesn't necessarily make you morally just. And I think that is a tough pill for people to swallow and it's a very uncomfortable reality for us to do but what i love about this game so much is life is uncomfortable sometimes Mm. and i anybody who knows me knows i love like dark unsatisfying or traditionally unsatisfying endings i love that i love when things end and you're the the credits roll and you're just sitting there like yeesh because (laughs) life is yeesh sometimes and like yes if i want to have a fun experience and just happy-go-lucky smile yeah mario odyssey is there but i do like something where it ends and you're like whoa that did not cleanly resolve because when in life does things cleanly resolve very seldomly a lot of times you're just kind of ending there sitting there with little to no closure being like man that that was rough because life is rough and i think they wanted to tell a very grounded realistic story that's a very traditional tragedy just the unwinding of a character that you love so much on multiple fronts where they psychologically unwind and in many ways people lose their lives because actions have consequences one way or another. And just because you made a decision that was moral in the moment doesn't mean that when somebody retaliates, they're not moral as well because morality can be ambiguous depending on your perspective. And I think very few games play with themes like that and writing that deep. And uh, I understand with high risk, there's high reward, but also with high risk, there's high failure potential. And uh, I think Last of Us 2 has its marks against it for the same reasons that I think it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, Last of Us 2, number 7, uh, has a bit too many issues for me to put in my top 5, mm-hmm. but I have to keep it in my notable mentions. And then my last ones ended off is Paper Mario, The Origami King. Um, I think it, first off, is a first party o- offering from the big three, so I think that's you know worth noting like hey nintendo had another big game this year uh after animal crossing uh i think it's very well done Uh, i always have to commend nintendo's ability to release games that are finished and i know that sounds silly but in 2020 that that's not something we see too often is how often do you see a game that has glaring issues stuff that you know didn't make it past qa but they put it out anyways. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, ah, we'll just patch it out after. And I know game development's hard, so I don't mean to minimize what they do. But yeah, th- this is the thing, that they've released games that are clearly not finished, and then they just fix it retroactively. Uh, but Nintendo doesn't do that. They release things that have that 
level of polish that we've come to expect. And I got to give Paper Mario. Hey, that it runs good. Is it technically demanding? No, but I think there's something to be said for a game that is released and runs front to back cleanly. And it does. It, the writing is really fun. It's really quirky. I love the graphical design and the art style of it. Uh, some of the battle mechanics are really annoying. But the world that they designed, I think, is excellently designed. And I think generally, it's a really great game. Uh, again, it, not enough to breach my top five. But I think it's important to note because it, of the two major um, Switch releases we got this year, this one, I think, delivered in what they were trying to do. And uh, obviously, the top five is going to shift a little bit. And things are going to get bumped as new things come out. But uh, yeah, that's basically what I was feeling this year. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid list. And it's funny that you mentioned, because as soon as I looked over my shoulder to be like, did I forget anything? I saw Saints Row, and I was going to bring it up yeah. so bad you did, because Saints Row, the third remastered, or whatever they called it. Wow, what a fantastic... And I'm still playing that game. I took a small break. Actually, I was playing that game up till The Last of Us, I think. Yeah, it, it came was, out like right before it. Then it was just The Last of Us, and then when I finished The Last of Us, then it was Ghost of Tsushima. So I just haven't had a chance to go back. Um, I'm also playing it very like meticulously because I'm trying to just get the platinum in one shot. It's a very good game to do a completionist run on. Yeah. Very good game. Yeah, it's designed perfectly yeah. for that. Um, the only ones I'm, the only thing I'm having issues are with the insurance missions where you got to like, ragdoll. But uh, <sighs> Tell me about it. Because I don't know if I'm, uh, that's going to hold up my platinum, but we'll see. Ever since the PS3, I've hated the insurance fraud missions, and I've hated the 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 helicopter sniper missions. I've just I've always hated those. Why can't you? Always. Least, why don't they at least give me some background music to those helicopter missions? It'll be just dry. And they've always been brutal. I've seen people online like you know like complaining about them. I'm like, welcome to the club, guys. I was struggling on PS3 with those. They're terrible. Yeah. Uh, luckily, it's not so insanely difficult that like you can't beat it. But the problem with it is they have like a specific amount of formats of type of missions. They have like six or seven type of missions. Mm -hmm. And so if one of those types you absolutely hate, chances are you're probably Probably gonna have to do it at least two or three more times just just the design of the game exactly. uh, but other than that i mean the game is phenomenal it's about as good as you can get with a remaster instead of a fun uh, top to bottom remake even though i think this game 100 percent straddles that remake line yeah they have completely new assets for the characters they put in a whole bunch of new missions and stuff like that that are, are dlc stuff but a lot of people didn't play the dlc and they integrated it perfectly so no, it makes uh, it makes complete sense, and that was also re-released as THQ Nordic. Now, yes, yeah, because uh, it was originally THQ, then it, uh, publishing rights went to Deep Silver, and now it's back with THQ Nordic, with Volition developing it. Oh, so Volition's name is what's on there, actually. Yeah, they develop it, okay. and then I think it's published by THQ. Yeah, yep, that makes sense. But yeah, game of the year, 2020, great year for games. Yeah, uh, so I don't want to hear y'all saying it's a bad game, a bad year for games. This is this is a hell of a way to send out a generation, and uh, it makes me so excited to see what the rest of 2020. Because it's crazy that we had all this, and there's still an entire quarter to go of like heavy hitters. Yeah, and it's all gonna be very focused on not completely, but very focused on next gen. So oh yeah, it's gonna be an exciting time. Again, I think Nintendo's been suspiciously quiet. I think they're holding out on a like a big direct because they got to have something, whether it yeah. is the Pikmin's coming, but that's a that's just a you know the another deluxe editions yeah. they do, yeah. No, I think you know if they do have this like Metroid Prime trilogy collection HD thing that's going big. on, or those Mario rumors that haven't been debunked, 
But, you know, we got the Paper Mario. That was the one true part of that. But we'll see what really comes to, you know, I, I you never know. I think there's going to be some secrets that all three companies have. I think Microsoft's got some hidden stuff. I think Sony's got some hidden stuff. And I think Nintendo's got some hidden stuff that may shake up this list more. And it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's going to be an interesting conversation when we get to that point. Yeah, guys. And we know ultimately whatever our number ones are. It's going to ultimately get booted by Avengers when that comes out. Uh, but this is the Neo Vintage Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed our triumphant return. We'll be back here weekly, yep. tentatively for Monday releases. So expect uh, the podcast on Monday, both on streaming services and on YouTube. So till next time, this is Jabrell and I'm with Steve. Hope you guys enjoyed. Until next time, we'll see you guys. Bye.